Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The big game is upon us once again, and just like every year, Kansas City is back in the Super Bowl, but additionally, every year on the Take It Easy podcast, we have to get you set for the most important bet you will make during Super Bowl Sunday. That is, of course, what color Gatorade is going to dunk the winning head coach after the Super Bowl. Now, traditionally, you would suspect that red would be the color to go for. I mean, Kansas City is red, San Francisco's red, they're different variations in colors, but guess what? Kansas City has won two of the last four Super Bowls, no red on the Gatorade color. In fact, red has not been the Gatorade color of choice in any of the previous 22 Super Bowls. Red never comes up on the Super Bowl odds list, so don't fall into the trap this year of thinking red is going to be the color. Instead, the favorite is the yellow-green color Gatorade, which, depending on where you gamble, you can get yellow and green at different colors, but the lemon-lime color of Gatorade is the favorite at plus 150. Orange and red tied at 275, blue at 400, and then at plus 450 we have purple. Now it's important to remember purple because purple was the winning color last year at the Super Bowl. When Kansas City beat Philadelphia, it was purple Gatorade that came through. And that was surprising because it was the first time in 11 years that purple Gatorade had been the Gatorade color of choice to dunk the winning head coach, not since the New York Giants won the Super Bowl in 2012. So it's an interesting conversation here. You could get the the lemon-lime color, perennially the favorite, most common type you're going to find, orange, a strong candidate, but if you're looking for a good value play this year, plus 400 on blue is a good choice, because blue has been the color of choice in three of the previous five Super Bowls. Blue was the Patriots' choice after they won the Super Bowl against the Rams, which again, Patriot blue, Ram blue, you could understand the color choice there. Blue was the color for the Buccaneers when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. Blue was the color of choice when the Rams won the Super Bowl two years ago in Los Angeles. There's so many different options and so many different colors. Blue at plus 400 is the value play of the year. It is historically the most common color of choice, and even though last year we went with purple, blue is perennially at the top of the list. And last year, blue was the favorite. This year, blue's coming in at a long shot plus 400. I think blue is the play to go with for this year's big game color. Now, here's the fun catch. When you go to Bet Online Sportsbook with the link in the description of this episode and use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your original deposit. And if you take that 50% welcome bonus and put it all onto blue to win the Super Bowl, you're not getting plus 400 odds, you're getting plus 600 what you originally would have made. So you could make six times your money by betting on blue to be the color of Gatorade that is chosen when Kansas City wins the big game on Sunday. Was this three and a half minutes of big game analysis? Yes, it was. Was it three and a half minutes of deciding what color is going to be the Gatorade bath at the end of the game? You're damn right. And it was three and a half minutes well spent, and you should take this information, go to Bet Online Sportsbook, and make your picks today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you. 
there is one more silly football thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Maybe maybe we'll add this as an extra one, but I think the the bulk of the podcast we did, I wanted to cut off right there. So, you know, I'll go back and edit later and find the part that maybe we'll put yeah. this out right before the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, you and I were kind of talking, you know, while Joe was was uh, trying to get back on. So, Eh, yeah, we've we've done we've done more we've done more we've done more inflammatory stuff on this podcast. Trust me, <laughs> we we've done yeah. more we've done far more inflammatory conversations on this podcast. <laughs> no, you know, and it's an educational conversation too. Is that you know we're all learning at the cusp on a cusp of history here in America what America is truly all about, mm-hmm. and it's going to keep showing up big time you know certainly in november um and and beyond so but yeah what's your football question okay so you were talking about the game between uh, the game around the game and and lord knows as football fans we are well aware of the game around the game it's you're playing the game on the field but there's obviously deeper points to all of this and i the san francisco part i think is interesting but less interesting in a sense because the the if san francisco wins a super bowl it's going to be their first championship in 30 years and there's going to be this outpouring of excitement for san francisco fans and you know maybe brock purdy will win super bowl mvp and you do all that but i feel like we we've seen all of this before with san francisco like there are relatively recent comparison points to what will happen if San Francisco wins a championship, like winning a championship after a long drought. We saw it with the Eagles a few years ago, like the outpouring of excitement when the Eagles won their first Super Bowl or first championship in 60 years. Uh, Even the story of Brock Purdy, which is absolutely incredible when you talk about going from the last pick in the draft to Super Bowl champion and all of that stuff. We did live through Kurt Warner, though. Like, Kurt Warner is kind of that same story of person yes. at the end of the bench who who transforms into Super Bowl MVP. So, like, yes. even as incredible as the Brock Purdy story is, we have kind of seen that before. The thing that I think is, is in- more interesting about the Kansas City side of things is that they've been to so many of these now that it's it's now no longer a conversation of them winning a championship. It's can they do what the Patriots did? Or it's not... It's not the game of Patrick Mahomes winning. It's can Patrick Mahomes catch Tom Brady? This is this is like the game within the game now where the bar has been moved so much. Kansas City has won so much now that the bar is being dramatically shifted in the other direction to a standard that is impossible to reach in six years. I mean, they're asking, can you be Tom Brady if you're Patrick Mahomes when he, you know, you can't do 20 years of winning in six years. If you're Kansas right. City, you can't do 20 years of winning in six years. And so when we talk about the game within the game, I'm curious what you guys think about all of a sudden now that the Kansas City has won two championships and, you know, they've had more success in a six year span than any team non pick of the two Patriots runs in NFL history. How do you feel about the goalposts being moved so dramatically in the other direction on Kansas City this time around in terms of the game within the game and, you know, Mahomes catching Brady or Kansas City catching the Patriots or just the bar has been moved so dramatically on Kansas City now that they've won two Super Bowls and this is going to be their fourth in five years. I, I To me, it doesn't bother me. I, I think... 
you know, I, I think we, you know, we, we, we have these ideas that we want everything to be objective and how we measure everything. And, and there's, there's value to that, to that approach, right. Trying to measure statistics and everything and try to have this relative or this sort of, you know, kind of uh, that the comparisons are just, you know, supposed to be fair and the same and consistent and this, that, and the other, and moving the goalposts on, on what, what is considered success for the chiefs doesn't seem fair. But I, I view it a little bit more, you know, kind of through a historical narrative, you know, and it's, again, it, again, this is, you know, as sociology, within sociology, we have so many different ways of looking at things that involve uh, what is the meaning that this, the, this experience has for a person, right? Looking at how humans experience it. And that's sort of a postmodernist, to get a little philosophical, uh, way of looking at the world of, you know, what it's like, well, okay, let's not what it's not so much what's true as much as what does that mean if that makes sense and you know when i think about it sports fandom is an experience right you know we experience sports through what it means to us you know kind of more immediately in the here and now but also over the course of our lives you know walter likes to write about you know things kind of from a historical perspective having someone who's been a cardinals fan for a long time i've been a cardinals fan for a pretty long time not as long as walter and i like to think about you know, what this fandom has meant to me and, you know, over, over the years. So I think I look at it from kind of an unfolding of history and part of sports is dynasties. Like we look back at those, you know, the Steelers or the Cowboys or Patriots dynasties, Lakers, Celtics, you know, we look at those and those are an important part of the history of the, of each sport, right? They, they, they are part and that that lore is part of the appeal for people um so i think it's for me it's fine that 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 goalposts of what is considered success for the chiefs now is moving because they are now in that dynasty era you know era area where it's like okay well how significant is this dynasty is this a dynasty or the dynasty of all dynasties like you know can he surpass you know, uh, Tom Brady and obviously, you know, within, with the way free agency and everything is dynasties are even harder to sustain. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and, and Andy Reid and the chiefs right now are, are now shifted from trying to win a championship to trying to, you know, kind of see how far they can push that dynasty and its legacy. Um, and we are all witnessed. We bear witness to this dynasty. And, you know, when we are much older, uh, when, when Walter makes it to hundred and his 140th birthday, as, as you've presciently uh, foretold, uh, and we're looking back and we get to say, we, we bore witness to the chief's dynasty and we can talk about what it was like and experience it. You know, if we want to be able to have that talk about that experience that way, I think we have to be okay with the idea that the bar will be shifted because they are now pursuing that next level. Yeah. Well, oh, it's always a joy talking to both of you guys. Um, <laughs> you have such keen perspectives and, um, you know, as always, I, People ask me, who do you want in the game? I always want a close game. It's always so exciting to come down to the end. We've had some lately. And, yeah, you know, I find it remarkable. I mean, remarkable that the Chiefs have an opportunity to win their third Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes in six years. 
in one of the most remarkable trade-up scenarios in NFL history. I mean, there they were with, with uh, you know, um, Smith at quarterback. Uh, uh, what's his first name? Alex. Uh, yeah, Alex Smith, who was experienced a renaissance and was leading them, you know. But they had the prescience and somehow the means to make that giant leap up the board to tend to get Mahomes. And, you know, dang you, Chiefs. I mean, because that was a year we wanted Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And I thought we were going to go up and get him. You know, and we tried, I heard we tried to go up for Josh Allen. Oh my gosh. I mean, the fact that they stole Patrick Mahomes just out of thin air and how they groomed him, you know, in one year of working behind Alex Smith to come out and play the way that he has. Um, it's just an incredible story. Um, and, you know, the thing about Mahomes for me is he's such a joy to watch. Um, he's just, he's crafty. He's beguiling. He's, he's, uh, you know, um, slippery. And, but the thing that impresses me, like I said before, is he's a consummate hustler. I mean, when he's out there, the energy that he puts forth, um, is just, I mean, I get envious of it. Like I, I, if I, a quarterback played like that for the Cardinals, I'd be out of my mind. Not to disparage Kyler Murray, but Kyler's sort of a chill until he gets behind, you know, pre-snap and then little Ajita. Um, you know, compared, I mean, Kyler never sprints back to the huddle. Um, you know, um, takes his time. I mean, those are style points that aren't significant necessarily to winning. Although I do think that magneticism and energy levels from a quarterback can affect the whole team. And the way that Mahomes does has done that in six years. And, you know, um, this would be a stunning achievement. I mean, here we were thinking that the Patriots scenario would never be matched again. And yet here we are, you know, a couple of years later thinking, Oh my goodness. We're halfway there. We're halfway there. (laughs) Here's the other model. And I'll finish on this. Is it the way that they're doing it by, um, you know, paying Mahomes, but then kicking ass in the draft and bringing in players that they're playing immediately and that they can get four and sometimes five years out of before they have to pay them again. That's a model that, um, you know, that I think teams, people were trying to copy the Patriots model. That now seems very outmoded. This is a model that really seems to work. And, of course, the significance of this coming in a year where, unbelievably, Bill Belichick can't, is not being offered an NFL job. Pete Carroll is gone. He's not coaching it. Even Mike Vrabel, who was coach of the year two years ago, three years ago, can't get an NFL job. But there's Andy Reid doing his thing. 
Oh, and now Eric Bieniemy's out in uh, Washington, who was a part so so much a part of that, you know, um, the Chiefs dynamics. So that's the historical part that's really fascinating, and you know, so and being a Cardinals fan, it's really tough to root at all for the 49ers. Joe, did you see uh, Larry Fitz? I did taking off the Niners <laughs> yes. jacket. And flipping it around. Oh my God, bless you, Fitz. Yeah, that I think expressed every Cardinal fan's um, attitude towards this upcoming game. <laughs> You're just not a not a fan of San Francisco, which yeah, I get. For, I get it. Except for one thing, and this is my last point: Steve Wilkes. Um, the thought of him from where he was thrown to the curb. Um, in 2018 or nine, you know, January of 19. Correct. To where he's come since is such a model of perseverance. It's, it's a paradigm. Um, and I just, I mean, if they win, I'll just be really happy for him. Um, you know, know, he's come a long way. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I totally get it with Steve Wilkes and the that aspect of the connection to the Cardinals and the connection of just wanting to root for Kansas City because Kansas City is just so much fun. Also, you guys almost had Andy Reid. That's the other thing, too. Andy Reid was was on his way to fly to Arizona to meet with the team. And then Kansas City ended up swiping him out of uh, out of Arizona's grasp, too. But uh, there, there's a lot of connections to that in the Super Bowl. Something you brought up. I feel like Will Farrell. Damn you, Jesus! <laughs> Every time, that's that's the dynasty that that came. And by the way, came from an equally inept organization in Kansas City as well. And, and you brought up something, Joe, that I thought was fun. It's like moving the goalposts now in the middle of their career. And I started thinking about like, well, if you move the goalpost in the middle of the career and make the standard so high, doesn't that take away from the appreciation of what's happening in the moment? And then I stopped myself and I thought, wait a minute, in the moment, everyone hated the Patriots and no one appreciated what was happening. We do this all the time. We we don't right? appreciate any of the success in the moment. I caught myself and I was like, wait a minute, the Patriots were dirty cheaters that everyone hated for 15 of the 25 <laughs> years that they were dominating. Like it was we totally did not appreciate the Patriots for like 75 percent of the time that they were winning. And so. If we're going to do the same thing again with Kansas City, I guess, then so be it. We're just there, there's there's a respect for the greatness, but there's not an appreciation for the greatness that we're watching in the middle, I feel like. And that's fine, I guess. I guess I'll just sit over here and wear my Mahomes jersey and appreciate how wonderful and wacky <laughs> Kansas City is to, to to just me being so fortunate as to have started rooting for this team in 2018 and have gone to six consecutive conference championship games. Well, for what it's worth, for me, they're the least detestable uh, dynasty I've seen. I mean, I don't hate them. Yes. Mahomes is fun, <laughs> you know? That's I don't, I don't... such a low standard, the least right. detestable dynasty. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, Brady was annoying as hell. I mean, oh, 
Uh, the cowboys were annoying. Um, oh God! Yeah, I'm I'm not old enough to remember the the of the '80s 49ers, but maybe the '80s 49ers were pissing people off. I don't know. <laughs> it's just you know the old Steelers dynasty was kind of lovable. I go back to that as the closest comparison. Joe makes a great point. This this you know this Chiefs dynasty here potential dynasty is more lovable than than others in the past for sure and you know. and it's funny that we bring that up because i mean they've they are essentially the the 70 steelers at this point i mean i've made the point that like win or lose this super bowl for kansas city they are the only territory that they occupy at this point is those 90s cowboys 70s steelers you know depending on personal preference which one you go for but Neither of those teams lasted for longer than six years. I mean, the Steelers went to four Super Bowls in six years and the Cowboys went to three and five, essentially. But, you know, Kansas City's kind of reached that plateau where the only the only bar above it now is the the length, the length and longevity of the Patriots, which if you break the Patriots dynasties into two separate runs, I mean, Kansas City's kind of already knocked out one of the two. They're halfway there to. The, the 15 to 20 years of what that is but i right. it's funny that it's funny that you mentioned the 70 steelers because the 70 steelers is kind of the bar at this point that's that's kind of where they're at in terms of longevity of success win or lose the super bowl so kyle i have one last question for you yes and this is key tie audience take it easy audience I know you want to know this too, and this is breaking news right now to, to, to hear this one way or another definitively. We know now by your own profession, you are a Mahomey. Oh, yes, yeah, but we, your- we've been a Mahomey for five years, but yes, right. yes, very we've much. Got so. that down. But are you a Swifty? Am I a Swifty? According to my Spotify algorithm, I am, I guess. I don't know, but. Uh... Like I said, you you cannot be a twelve year old or a four or thirteen year old in two thousand thirteen and not know the Taylor Swift songs. I Are mean, you a fan? Are you yes, a fan? Most definitely. I there I want to say go. Yeah. I have right, so. a good fifteen to twenty <laughs> songs in my in my archive. I I would yeah. not you wouldn't yeah. catch me buying taylor swift merch or going to a taylor swift concert i did not go watch the. i think they did a movie about her tour and um i did not go to watch the movie so i'm not that level of a swifty i didn't go to watch the taylor swift movie but yes i as a music connoisseur i have to say taylor swift makes good music (laughs) so there's a graduate ending do you know the film with the graduate? <laughs> yes. The the Swifty okay. the Swifty I am right. is, is where this is gonna come yeah. out. <laughs> um <laughs> Brock Purdy's gonna pull this game out. And just as, <laughs> as yep. Travis Kelsey's kneeling down in the in the end zone to propose. <laughs> um Brock Purdy comes up and starts screaming. Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. Not, not Brock Purdy. Not Brock the Purdy as Brock Purdy as Dustin Hoffman. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> yes. And she's gonna turn and go, Brock. <laughs> oh, and they're 
they're going to run off together. Super Bowl champion, and he take, gets the girl. <laughs> Brock Purdy. I mean, as football coaches, we used to always say just facetiously, yeah. let's go beat them and take their girlfriends. <laughs> oh, geez. You want Brock Purdy to do that as he's standing on the on the Nick Foles podium of Super Bowl MVPs. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, wouldn't that be a stunning? Yeah. I, like, I know we did a lot of Kansas City and Taylor Swift stuff. Like, the San Francisco storyline is really interesting. It's just, you know, we see this, like, every other year. Like, franchise that wins their first Super Bowl in 30 years, you know, with a by being the most talented team in the sport. Like, we kind of we kind of see that. It would be really cool if San Francisco wins. It's just, you know... It's something that we're used to at this point, I guess. I don't know. Even the Brock Purdy thing, like it's they've already made movies about Kurt Warner's career. Kurt Warner's still grifting off of being the the undrafted quarterback who becomes MVP and Super Bowl MVP. Like as amazing as the Brock Purdy story is, we've kind of seen it a couple times now. But the, the 49ers winning would be really, really interesting, too. I don't want to sell them short. <laughs> well, this is fun, gentlemen. As always, and I wish you a great uh, weekend of fun and and parties and, you know, or whatever. you. I don't go to Super Bowl parties because I find them distracting. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty narrowed in on the, on the game. But I will have wings, Joe. I will have wings ready. Nice. <laughs> yep. And I'll be with my lady friend um, and good pal, Trish. So we'll, you know, uh, we'll have beers and and wings and get after it. You know what I love about this, the, the, our conversations. Is there another podcast that just got that discussed Taylor Swift and Hagel in the same. (laughs) (laughs) And the synthesis of it. Right. Yeah. Yes. Taylor Swift to Hagel to. Yeah. It's to Buffalo wings. (laughs) Yeah. I like this. That's, that's a great way to phrase it. That is a great way to phrase it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you for having me on and I look forward to the next one. Yes. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.